David Leonard. I'm from um, the Senior Director of Six Degrees at the Institute for Canadian Citizenship. Uh, I've spent my entire career working to connect um, different voices to audiences. When people come into a space that you've created to be inclusive, yeah. they will bring themselves into that space. And if you are, in fact, truly an inclusive space, <laughs> that's what you want, because right. that space is co-created. If you create a so-called inclusive space that has so many rigid structures attached to it that prevent people from different perspectives coming into that space with their own selves and their own perspectives and their own, and their own whatever it is, baggage good and bad, is your space truly inclusive? And so the challenge of a space like this is um, it has to provide uh, ideological space for people to bring their own stories in and for that space to be changed by those stories. We believe at the ICC very clearly in, in that there are very rigid ways with policy, with attitudes, with language to, to bring inclusion into the mainstream, to, to build inclusive societies. But the, the frictions that you can get in a place like Six Degrees when different types of people are together with their different selves, um, that's where the work gets done. You know, and to me that if everyone is always agreeing, is anything really getting What's done? What's the progress there? What's the progress? And I think the pro for me, the progress in, in my work and certainly with Six Degrees, the progress is in some of the maybe disagreements or maybe uh, different perspectives. When you put them up against each other and they create friction, friction is energy. And that energy is change. And that's, and that's when you start to change perspectives. And you can take someone who believes one thing and you don't necessarily change what they believe, but you might hone what they believe or yeah. what they believe might evolve based on those interactions. And so the challenge of that space is to let go to some degree of control in, in, its, for, in its formal sense right. and to understand that, that a good conversation comes from being open to having a good conversation. And that's what, that's what Six Degrees is. That was David Leonard from Six Degrees. I had asked him a question about what his organization is and what it does. As I listened to him then, and as I replay it anew, I realized that his answer could have been used to answer the broader question about Canada's identity. And so with that as the underlying inspiration, the next episode is O Canada. Six Degrees of Connection. My full name is Francis Boachik, and I'm originally from Ghana. Can you um, explain to me what community means to you and what you've done to build your community in, um, in Calgary? Yeah. So, in essence, community simply is common unity put together. And so, and so when there's commonalities amongst people and there's unity amongst people, that exemplifies what the community should look like. And so when you have fragmented communities in terms of um, segregation and, and differences based on very, very minute or very um, little differences, that jeopardizes the whole concept of community. And so for me, community is the place where I have access and further access to people in a very united, solid way, be it material, be it um, financial, mm -hmm. be it emotional, psychological. All those access points 
for me, constitute what the community should look like. You know, we have looked at communities as geographic and digital and things like that. But the question is, what will a community mean to um, people in the first terms, Africans in the diaspora? Yeah. And that, for me, it means that people should be able to have a relationship that goes beyond the superficial nature of what happens here in, in, in our part, current part of the world. So in Calgary, when we came here in 2000, um, we decided to bring together a group of people to simply begin to remind ourselves of our cultural backgrounds and to strengthen ourselves in our beliefs and values. And because of that, we, it was a small group of people. We just met on Saturdays, um, sometimes just to um, fellowship, sometimes just to, to remind ourselves of where we came from and the strength we possess so that our kids were able to understand that there's something we possess that can be useful for them in this country. This is what I, I, I continue to see. And in my work here at the Center for Newcomers, the reason I chose to work here, as opposed to maybe doing full-time teaching, is really to ensure that um, we're giving back the same information to newcomers, mm-hmm. particularly those from Africa who um, may be struggling in, in a much deeper sense than other people. Your work really spreads outside of the Ghanaian community. It's really about the diaspora, and I'm assuming can touch people outside of Africa. But your focus is is really on those African, uh, the African diaspora, or is that is that too um, too limiting a statement? Maybe it's too limiting, but um, again, you see, anytime you do good work, it spills over to different population groups. Mm-hmm. And so I see that as an example. Yes, we work with Africans, but we also work with people from um, different parts of the world. Because um, as per my work, I have the capacity and the opportunity to work with different people from all over the world. And you realize that we, we face the same issues, issues of isolation and marginalization to varying degrees. And so when you, when you put this at a point where you are looking at the issues, that people are facing in a new country, you begin to see the commonalities that exist. Uh, what do you teach? I teach in I teach social work, social policy, social community development, and social development. You know, have you have you always had this this as part of a driving and motivating factor in your life? Yes, I have. In fact, um, as I speak to you, I am working on a project with Ghanaian women, rural Ghanaian women as part of community development process because for me every disadvantaged population um, should be supported to stand on their feet and so and and as a teacher um, what i do in the classroom is a demonstration if you look at my evaluations students talk about my passion and this passion stems from my own experience you know having traveled to different countries and having lived lives in different places and having experienced you know, different kinds of experiences, you know? And so when, when, I, when I teach, it's the same passion that I exemplify in the classroom. And that is very infectious because be- people begin to look at the connection between what you say and what you do. Good morning, good day, 
or good evening. And welcome to 54 Lights. For the most part, the Canadian expanse lies due north of the 49th parallel. Its character is littered with a multitude of attributes that have conspired to shape its legacy. Least among them, the fact that Canada is, unquestionably, multicultural. What for many has been a catalyst for sowing division in Canada has been a marker of collective and celebratory identity. Where some see their diversity as a powder keg, ours is a rich tapestry on a vast canvas. In 2015, Canada's one and only professional basketball team adopted the slogan, We the North. The slogan was meant to signify a deliberate and defiant stance in the face of a league that was predominantly concentrated in the United States. It's a somewhat abrasive position for a traditionally polite Canadian to adopt, but adopted they did. That team now stands atop the NBA as the 2019 champions. It's a team, fittingly, that is made up of the United Nations, of sorts. Their ranks boast players and executives from Spain, Cameroon, the United States, Nigeria, the United Kingdom, St. Lucia, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. As if that wasn't enough, their most recognizable fan, sorry Drake, is an Indian Canadian. So while the team's slogan doesn't quite sound Canadian, the flags represented on their roster certainly do. To be clear, today's episode is not about basketball or the Raptors. It is, however, about Canada. Specifically, we will focus on the agency and the people within who help build the greater community that is the fabric of this nation. And while you may listen to this at a later date, please keep in mind that today's episode airs publicly on July 1st, 2019, Canada Day. Let's start our journey at the offices of Six Degrees and the Institute for Canadian Citizenship, the ICC. Here, in part, is their conversation. Um, so my name is Marie-Noëlle Tudiesh. Um, I was born and raised in Paris, in France, but my parents come from uh, Congo, mm -hmm. Kinshasa. I, I always give the the precise, <laughs> yeah, precise, <laughs> the precise location. yes. Um, and I immigrated in Canada um, two years and a half, mm -hmm. almost three years now. Um, and yeah, I love it so far. You feel more ties to Paris or Kinshasa or Canada? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, to be honest, I 
feel like when I was a teenager, I was not attached to Kinshasa at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, Paris was my life, was my city. And now that I know more about my own identity, um, I kind of relate to Kinshasa very, very a lot. Um, and also because now I'm, I'm an adult, obviously, and I have other discussion with my parents. They tell me stuff, stories, uh, very interesting stories about Kinshasa and Congo. And I've been to Kinshasa as well. Um, so I definitely feel like I'm a little bit of both. So sometimes I kind of say like I'm a Franco-Congolese. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But I do feel attached to friends that's, and Congo. A strong connection. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Yasmin, yes. to you. Um, I gave your name away, but maybe you can give me your <laughs> full name and your background. Absolutely. Um, so my name is Yasmin Mohammed. I am from Toronto. And my background, I kind of identify as Canadian, but uh, my dad is uh, Egyptian. So he was born and raised in Cairo migrated to the States in the 80s and, and made his way here and my mom is American so um, a bit of a mix but have kind of been you know here my whole life and really identify um, you know as, as Canadian it's Canadian if I were to in terms of your like home life so to speak like with yeah. your parents and stuff is there a lot of insertion of quote unquote Egyptian culture uh, and Amer- an American culture or is it or do you not necessarily see that as, as being part of your... Uh... You know, it's really interesting because um, I think there... Uh, I, I relate to a lot of, you know, a lot of other Canadians in that, you know, I, having immigrant parents, even, you know, you know, my mom being from the States um, considered herself, you know, somebody who migrated and is an immigrant or sure. was an immigrant, whatever that identity comes down to. But there was a, you know, a bit of a an insertion of different kind of cultural views and norms. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think being slightly mixed on that end, um, was a really interesting experience growing up for me anyways, because I think there's, uh, you know, bifurcations in a lot of, in a lot of ways, but yeah, my dad did his best to try to teach his kids Arabic growing up and he had, they had four of us and we were, absolute savages <laughs> so it's a little hard <laughs> so my dad tried to teach us Arabic it was a little bit tough and all of those kind of um, yeah you know parents trying to make sure that they insert what they remember and what's important to them from their backgrounds and from their upbringings into their into their, the lives of their kids so that was definitely my experience is there a moment that stands out in your in your history that would have been predictive of where you are today interesting because you obviously you have two immigrant parents coming yeah. in, so that I'm, that I'm curious if that was like, oh, she's predisposed to land. In yeah, this seat. it's an interesting question. I've never been asked that. Um, I think so. If I reflect on it, because I think a lot of what I experienced um, as someone from kind of a mixed background was kind of that identity question, right? So figuring out, you know, and of course, you know, parents wanting to share what is important to them you know, from their culture and backgrounds, kind of figuring out what it, from that array of amazing things is important to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think I may not be able to, like, identify a specific moment, but I definitely can see how that kind of experience, at least in my um, in my life, probably lends itself well f- to me working and being in a place that um, really is all about trying to help people find um, their sense of inclusion and belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, you know, that's such a, and I, I'm not someone who was immigrated to Canada, but 
that I can imagine is, you know, such a lifelong journey. And so finding and getting to that sense of inclusion, whether it's kind of like imparting wisdom on your kids and or imparting cultural, you know, cultural norms and, and preferences and all that kind of stuff is super important. So I can definitely see how that or my experience there really lends itself well to me kind of working and being at the ICC. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. How about yourself, I know it's early days, but um, yeah, I. I feel like this is very pretty similar to um, Yasmin, but obviously my situation is different because I come from France. Um, <laughs> but um, growing up, I always understood and always hear that immigration is a bad thing. Um, so, and I was always against it. Um, I was always like the person who will raise the voice and say like, no, I don't understand why it's so bad. And especially because my parents are immigrants. Um, so they did the journey that I'm doing right now. Um, so I feel like it's, yeah, I feel like I was just kind of, it was kind of a destiny for me to be there <laughs> um, because of my background story. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So I, I, I can only uh, speak on what I've read about France and sort of how their inclusion and is not kind of the same as the Canadian view. So I'm assuming that that would be uh, have an impact on you here. Is that is that fair to say? Like that France does not have the same uh, embrace immigrants in the same way the Canadian uh, Canadian culture does. Um, I would say that each countries have their own view of Asian immigration, um, mm-hmm. and I think that each country has some issue with immigration. And yeah, definitely it's completely different. But the good thing is in each country there is organization like the ICC who's trying to, to create awareness and try to promote the immigration as a good way, a positive way. So that's good also. You provided the perfect segue to what do you do here? Like uh, <laughs> coming in off the street, which I'm technically doing, um, what's your role what's, and, and then what Jen uh, Yasmin, what's your role? Sorry. Uh, and then how do you how do you work together? That's the so maybe maybe you can give me a, a sense of that. Sure. Um, so my title is I'm a national program officer, and I am working uh, for the program of building citizenship. So basically, our goal is to plan um, special or enhanced um, citizenship ceremonies across Canada. So my role is to plan. From A to Z, those, those ceremonies. I'm working closely with RCC. And what we do is we're trying to reinforce the active citizenship, we're trying to reinforce the indigenous culture. Um, so, basically, to give you a very high level about our ceremonies, is we start each ceremony with an opening from the indigenous representative Mm -hmm. and then we have the roundtable discussion which is very specific to ICC and this is basically the space where new citizens because we don't say newcomers I don't think you can apply because most of the time when you actually talk to new citizens you realize that they've been to Canada for 20 years so you can't say like welcome (laughs) welcome to Canada Um, and so the roundtable discussion is this space uh, for the new citizen to express their voices and to tell us their stories and what it means for them to be a Canadian. And it's really interesting because you basically learn about their journey from immigration to citizenship. And after we have up the official citizenship ceremonies, 
Um, so that's why we said that there are special citizenship ceremony because mm-hmm. there was like this content that you don't have and there is this storytelling behind it. That's I think it's amazing that we have this. Um, what do you do? Yeah. Um, so I am the director for the Cultural Access Pass program at the ICC. Um, so the Cultural Access Pass is a program that the ICC has created and has been delivering for about 11 years now. Um, and basically what it is, is a, a membership program for new Canadian citizens um, in their first year of citizenship. So when you become a Canadian citizen here, at every single citizenship ceremony across the country, you're going to hear about a pass that you can sign up for to get free admission to museums, art galleries, science centers, parks right across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get a full year of that free that free admission yeah, and, and of that access. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing that for about 11 years and we've had about 300,000 people participate um, since we've started doing, since we started running this program. And the reason we, you know, we really love and care about it so much is because it really does kind of demonstrate how arts and culture is um, a pathway for inclusion and belonging. When you provide people with, um, you know, free admission to all of these amazing places across the country, um, you're kind of opening doors, saying these places are yours now too, mm-hmm. um, and we also want you to shape them and contribute to them and be a part of them. Um, it's a really nice way of um, helping people celebrate that moment where they become Canadian citizens. To Marie Noel's point, a lot of people have kind of talked to us about that day of citizenship and about that moment in their lives. Um, and it's really um, somebody who's never kind of, you know, I, I've, I've had the privilege of, citizen, of Canadian citizenship my entire life and have never had that moment of um, achieving it. And so when I hear people telling their stories about how much it means to them and how hard they worked and how long it took and how many papers they filled out and um, (laughs) how excited they are and how it feels like they're getting married and all of these really beautiful sentiments that you hear at at these ceremonies and so what we do is really try to extend that that excitement and extend that moment and really build um, the capacity for people to become active citizens and engage in and contribute back to um, back to Canada at this really exciting moment in their lives so that's great. So um, the intersection of you two is really this, almost like the handoff from the ceremony is where they become effectively eligible exactly. for the, uh, the the CAP, if I can call yeah. it that. Is we, call it, we call it CAP, which is... A CAP. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, was say, I like that. Yeah. CAP. I'm heavy when you got a word stand right there. <laughs> the term active, active <clears throat> citizenship and building citizenship, like, where do those where do those terms come from and how are you... How, how do you work to institute that? Mm-hmm. And how to you had to kind of like really push forward these notions? Of, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think through the cultural access pass and uh, and through our citizenship ceremonies, certainly the idea that people can contribute is really is something that we really really push forward. And um, I think again, just kind of looking at how where people are in these moments in their lives, how excited they are. There's no. There's so much. There's so much capacity there and so much excitement there. And it's it's such a huge moment to be able to just leverage and capture and build upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, that moment of citizenship is such a huge, huge, huge opportunity, right? Yeah. It's when people are ready to engage, are, are embracing this new identity. Um, and so, I mean, for us, active citizenship, I think, is a lot of... It, it can be a lot of different things. It can be 
um, you know, a lot of the traditional things we think, that you think about when you think of active citizenship, volunteering, giving back, um, participating in shaping uh, arts and culture, you know, being, you know, a good neighbor. It's a lot of those things. And so we have a really, we're really lucky in that we're able to communicate with a lot of these people that we work with and we're able to speak um, directly to them and, you know, have a really great relationship with, you know, the, the 45,000 people that go through the cultural access pass every year, the 3,000 people that um, participate in all of these amazing ceremonies. And we have, a, a, we get to see people on that, on that day and through that journey and really try to push and capitalize and just make sure people know that they are um, an important part of the Canadian story. And so I think that's a that's our approach. I would say, I agree. Um, and just to complete what uh, Yasmin just said, um, for us during citizenship ceremony, when we have the roundtable discussion, when we we actually ask this question, what it means for you to be an active citizen, and so what the answers always come forward is like people want to learn more about Canada, the history, and some people are like. When I'm going to become a citizen, I'm going to have a, a Canadian passport, so I will be able to travel and learn more about the cities, about Canada, but also about the culture. And when we're talking about culture, obviously we mentioned the Indigenous culture. Mm-hmm. And so there is also this dim- dimension toward um, the reconciliation that I think that is really important. And when we're talking about active citizenship, obviously it covers also the Indigenous culture. Um, I read something on your site about uh, well, it was, on, it was on your site, but I think it was on a different magazine about why uh, Canadians should go to a, a, a citizen uh, ceremony. Why should they? Um, I think, I mean, I'm talking for myself. I'm a permanent resident, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not a, I'm on the path to citizenship. And being witness to those citizenship ceremonies, um, I can tell you that it really adds some value to yourself and it makes you think about your own journey. Um, and I think that every time that when we invite Canadian, established Canadians to come, they are so surprised to hear the stories and to hear like, oh, this is it. This is what you have to go through to become a Canadian. And, and so most of the time, Canadians are like, oh, we actually take... Uh, our nationality for granted, but when we see that, we like we they realize how lucky they are, and I think this is what we're trying to um, to create when we go into citizenship ceremonies. But also we're trying to create like um, a network um, between established Canadian to new um, Canadians, mm-hmm. um, and trying to build this reinforce this community in the city. Because when we go into the city, we're trying to invite. Um, as much as possible members of the community so they can actually talk with new citizens. Yeah. And and most of the time, after the roundtable discussion, they end up being friends and they mm-hmm. exchange numbers mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I want to talk to you about this. <laughs> and they create other projects. And this is what we're trying to do. We're just trying to create a big, huge family yeah. uh, between established Canadian and new citizens. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing that I, would, that I would add to that is, um, like, the odd thing is, I think, the only way that... You have to. You kind of have to be at a citizenship ceremony to know what you're missing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really strange, but it's kind of like it's 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 kind of like you don't you don't really know the value of it until you've been in that room and you yeah. see people going through that process, and then you there's kind of a light bulb that you know switches. Um, and I think that there's a really clear al- alignment between you know active citizenship and community. 
how would we do that? Well, um, you just have to go on our website. We have mm -hmm. a, a list of the upcoming ceremonies. Yeah. And then you pick and just one. show up. Yeah, just show up and have a look. This is open to the public. So, um, so you can come and have a look. So yeah, I just have you for a few more minutes, if you don't mind. My Sorry. pleasure, absolutely. Um, I'm going to ask maybe a little bit of a, a, a. I don't think this is a tougher question, but I'm going to I'm going to play the role of the cynic. Okay. Right. Yeah. Perfect. So, the, the the concepts of diversity, inclusion, and and being an active citizen. So all of those things, which I think which I think are very positive things. Yeah. I think they also come with a level of of baggage because I think there are people who are cynical about that whole just that whole concept. Yeah. So, like, what do you say, what would you say to somebody who's cynical about that? Or, or why shouldn't we be cynical about that? It's a, okay, so I think my answer to that would probably be, you know, that inclusion itself is often a value that people don't think about. Um, so, at least from the, you know, in the perspective of the Cultural Access Pass program, I think a lot of the work that we do is is, you know, making sure people understand that this program itself is not so much about the free admission. It's not so much about the free right. access. <laughs> yeah. What it really is about, at least for us, is um, is that it, it, inclusion is the value, right? Belonging is the value. Yeah. Opening doors to people um, helps them and encourages them to be more active or to participate in a different way or to feel a different sense of um, welcome or, uh, or a sense of being included. Um, and I think perhaps the reason that people, you know, that there, there are maybe cynics about, you know, the value of that or the value of kind of like reiterating the conversation on diversity or multiculturalism or inclusion and all of those things is because the value seems to be so intangible sometimes. Right. So, but there's such a direct link between people feeling a sense of belonging and things like, you know, them being able to participate in a better way or, or be better connected economically or be able to participate in, in, you know, much more tangible ways than you can maybe measure in terms of inclusion. Um, and so sometimes that, I think sometimes it's that intangibleness of, of you know, the feeling of being included or the feeling of a sense of, a sense of belonging um, can often, you know, be be lost, and I think what we're trying, what we try to do, really, with CAP and building citizenship, is kind of bring that forward more. Mm -hmm. um, and by telling people that, you know, you should really att attend a citizenship ceremony, that's one of the ways, you know, we're kind of talking about it, right? You get the value of it right. when you're seeing people in that moment um, going through that transition. You see that value. You see how much they're willing and yeah. interested and dedicated to participating in. Um, their communities um, as a result of all of, of their journeys um, because they worked so hard and yeah. went through so much to achieve that. So I think that's what positioned my, my answer around. Um, certainly from, a, from the perspective of the cultural access pass and what we do there, um, I think focusing on the value of arts, the value of inclusion, um, and that, be, that in itself being a value in the same way as a lot of the other, you know, ways that people tend to value or tend to measure value or tend to measure other things. Um, that's, uh, no, that's a, that's, that's a great answer to a poorly, to a poor question. I love no, that. No, it's you a know. good question. I, uh, my brain turned <laughs> off for about two seconds. No, no, no. Um, so, so the, the other, so I'm, I'm curious from your role perspective, like yeah. how, how are you looking to evolve your role and, and sort of like what's next for CAP? 
right? Like, yeah. how do you make that program deeper, more impactful? Uh, impactful? Like, yeah. what, what are you looking to do? Um, really great question, and lots on the horizon, which is uh, a really good share. thing. Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Not, um, yeah. So, what we're really where we really see impact is, you know, in two different, I would say two different avenues, right? It's the fact that we have a membership of uh, really engaged new Canadian citizens that sign up for this uh, program every year. It's an incredible community um, of people, and we love to kind of hear their feedback and really learn from them and learn from their journeys. So we really want to continue talking to and learning from this group of people that have signed up um, for this program um, and are showing such a, a high level of engagement and, and interest and willingness to um, participate and contribute back. Um, and then the other side of the coin is, you know, we know arts and culture organizations and institutions have a lot to bring to the table mm-hmm. um, and play a really meaningful role in um, society and in um, Canada in, in answering a lot of societal questions and kind of speaking to who we were, who we are, and where we're going. Arts and culture institutions really want to engage with new Canadian citizens. Yeah. They are... Uh, they're really... This audience is incredibly reflective of, you know, who Canada is right now. Um, it's diverse and it's, uh, you know, of all ages and it's, you know, people from everywhere. And so arts and culture institutions really want to build that relationship and make sure that that's an ongoing one and a long-term one. Um, and the more that they hear from this audience that we have our ears to right now, which is really exciting, the more that they can hear from this audience, the more that they can develop and the more that these institutions can, um, you know, pivot and position themselves to, to engage and and kind of like, um, you know, draw in these new audiences. And so that's where we really see ourselves kind of, um, that, that kind of like niche that we're moving towards occupying and, and, and hopefully are just going to be able to continue, um, you know, having impact individually, but bridging and making sure that arts and culture institutions have this direct line and have the ability to really um, engage with this audience that is so, so representative of, of who Canada is right now. Is there something that critically needs to be done for Canadians in relation to CAP to make that blossom even more? Um, really good question. I think that I think Canadians have a really good sense of arts and culture institutions um, being important. Um, and I think that's something that can only really grow and be built upon. I think that Canadians really get kind of instinctively that arts and culture institutions really can represent and can connect us in ways that sometimes discussion can't or sometimes reading reading an article can't or, you know, Taking part in arts and culture is a it's a really interactive and meaningful way of kind of seeing another perspective, and I think Canadians really get that. So while I wouldn't say that's necessarily um, you know a critical imperative for us to you know jump on, I think that's a really important thing that we do and mm-hmm. that we support. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of continuing that support of arts and culture institutions across the country, um, knowing that they really do you know they can represent collective memory in a, in a really valuable way that can bring together groups of people and perspectives and, um, and, and, and offer new ways of thinking. The people that are closest to you, 
is anybody sort of looking and saying, what is she doing there? Or like, are they all saying, that's exactly where you should be? I think they're, no, I think they're all saying the latter. And I think, you know, I might, you know, my mom and dad kind of, kind of installed this in us. We're all working in some form of um, public good. And well, I that think, was going to be my next question. Is this a yeah. thing with your family? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, yeah. yeah, we're all kind of working in, you know, some form of, you know, you know, pushing Canada forward. So there you have it. The conversation continues. I'd like to thank all my guests for their participation and candor. Um, rapid fire questions. Oh, fun. The question that shouldn't be a rapid fire question, but I'm going to ask it is, why are you here? Um, because I love what I do. You've got two weeks vacation. Where are you going? Portugal. That was easy. No hesitation. Yeah. Who's going with you? Uh, my partner. Okay. Who is wonderful and delightful. Okay. Yeah. Favorite sport? Uh, to watch basketball. Okay. Uh, on TV. To watch live baseball. Oh. To play volleyball. Art or entrepreneurship? Oh, why not both? Museums or parks? Oh gosh. Oh. I. How? How? Um. Museums anytime. Parks anytime. Yeah. Sorry. Both. I'm gonna do that. The movie about your life. Okay. Who plays Yasmin? The actress that I cannot remember her name of, or her name rather, uh, from Lost. She looks exactly like me. What's next? Um, lots here. Yeah. Lots of really good stuff coming from cultural access pass which we're uh, gonna be we're gonna be pushing a lot of stuff out in the spring so really exciting stuff there and hopefully gonna be um, you know thinking about how we can share some of this and some of the work that we do a little bit more broadly um, both here but um, also in the world because I think um, we're the only country that gives new Canadian citizens free admission to museums and art galleries at, during this, this window um, and so I think there's lots for us to share and, and kind of um, put forward with other places in other countries so hopefully lots Remember you can find us wherever you do your listening iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher or even YouTube just search for 54 Lights. Listen, like, share. Music for this episode was composed, enjoyed, and used with permission by Anjo. Until we meet again. Thanks for listening. <laughs>